0: This has to come from CEO, sales leaders, executive teams, and they have to embrace the CRM and what it means to use the CRM. And as it funnels down into the reps and other business units, customer service, inside sales, they really need to understand that this is an all hands on deck team effort.
2: CRM. Most of you listening know, at least to some extent, what a CRM is. But I'd be curious how many of you could actually tell me what that acronym stands for. If you're scratching your head, no worries. I'll save you a Google search and I'll just tell you. CRM stands for Customer Relationship Management. For a lot of manufacturing organizations, CRM is synonymous with a spreadsheet on someone's laptop or a five-by-seven whiteboard in your sales manager's office, or maybe some scraps of paper here, plus a couple of napkins there, combined with a handful of neon sticky notes attached to your computer monitor. I've seen it all, and often, and my guests today see it even more often. They're here to tell you why that's a problem and what to do instead. So let me introduce them. Ron Pretzi is Senior Enterprise Executive for Manufacturing at the account-based selling software company Prolific. Ron comes from a background in manufacturing and steel distribution outside of work. Ron loves spending his time at various Chicagoland venues, watching his kids play sports. Andy Keen is the VP of marketing and demand generation at the same company prolific inside his work life. He's passionate about B2B marketing. Outside of work, he's chipping away at his bucket list goal of making it to all 30 major league baseball stadiums with 15 under his belt already. And finally, Dave Shear is the recently retired former CEO of the Steel Supply Company, where he spent 51 years. Dave is also a United States Air Force veteran. Ron, Andy and Dave, welcome
3: to the show. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Looking forward
2: to it. Awesome. Well, guys, we are um, headed into new territory here with this episode of the Manufacturing Executive. You are officially the first trio that I am interviewing on this show. Uh, Most of my interviews are with individuals. I've had a handful of pairs. But today, you guys are making the first, uh, making up the first three-headed monster on on the show. So I'm excited <laughs> to see what this dynamic looks like, and and you guys will be the ones who determine whether I do it again. <laughs> Perfect. Good. Awesome. Well, Ron and Andy, I'm gonna start with you guys. We have an overlapping audience, frankly, in in our respective businesses, which is the mid-sized B2B manufacturer. And I know from talking with you guys that we have both seen slow technology adoption in a lot of the businesses that we talk to. And in particular, when it comes to their their marketing and sales tech stack. So I'd love for you guys to tell me what you are seeing specifically with manufacturers when it comes to their CRMs. Perfect.
0: Yeah. In today's world, still in the manufacturing industry, I think a lot of things are still a little archaic in the front office. Reps, knowing from past experiences, are operating out of spreadsheets, Excel, PowerPoint, they're not really utilizing their CRM. Past experience as well, you know, having having the binders of contacts, business card planners, uh, all those things are still being regularly used in the manufacturing space, and they're not really adopting their CRM platforms to date.
3: Yeah, and I, I think to add on to what Ron said, from my experience, what I've seen, you typically see a CRM implemented by you know an IT team, or by a head of sales, there's typically not a structure where you've got someone that's solely dedicated to the implementation rollout and continued evolution of the CRM and how it's used by the reps, by your customer service team, by your marketing team. And I think that's part of why there's been a challenge with adoption in the space specifically is there needs to be someone who truly owns that system and, and drives the behavior that sales leaders that CEOs, you know, marketing leaders are looking for when it comes to using, you know, your CRM, whether it's Salesforce, Microsoft Dynamics, HubSpot, uh, there has to be someone leading that charge. And for me, that's one thing I've seen is typically it's delegated and it's someone's, you know, twenty percent of their role, thirty percent of their role. It's really helpful when you've got someone who's solely focused on driving as much. Out of that system as possible.
2: Yeah, you know, I see as a, a marketing consultant when we go in and talk to a new potential client. You know, everybody's interested in in measuring results. Everybody needs to understand. You know, I need to know what my my the ROI is going to be on my marketing program and you know the proactive business development initiatives we we're taking on. And so the first thing we do is say, all right, well, let's get inside your CRM. And let's 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 benchmark where you're at. Let's look at you know, let's look at the data. And most of them say, well, you know, we've got, uh, we, have got Salesforce licenses for our team, but we don't really use it. And we're going to come back around to that topic shortly on, on this conversation, but, um, or they're using a spreadsheet or they've got a whiteboard or, you know, you said binders, like it is an analog methodology inside of a lot of these companies, um, for how they are tracking all their data. And when you're trying to, connect your marketing activities to what you're doing on the sales front. And those two sides, your business aren't talking to each other. Really, there's no way to, 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 you know, you need the right inputs going into a piece of software to understand the impact. So it's, I think we share this pain here. This is going to be like a therapy session for all of us talking to each other today, right?
0: <laughs> exactly.
2: So, I mean, can either of you guys talk about you know, what you know about the, the history of CRMs and sort of how they've evolved over, over the years and particularly as they apply to the manufacturing sector?
0: Well, I think, you know, the history has evolved. You know, you have Salesforce, you have other CRM platforms that have come into the market space that have really expanded, you know, the term CRM and more companies are using them. Obviously, I think manufacturing is still lagged behind compared to the health and life sciences, med tech, and all those other market segments. And manufacturing is just starting to get into that. But I think manufacturing, again, still has that old school mentality on the sales side of it. And it's kind of the big brother mentality is like, I'm only as good as the information that I I contain. And I'm only as valuable as the information and the relationships I have. And I think a lot of reps look at the CRM as a deterrent, like you know, it's a replacement to what I'm doing. So I think as the CRMs evolve, the trust factor of the reps have to evolve with it, knowing that it could be a beneficial to them and drive that revenue. It's not all about collecting data. It's more about you know, the end result of Revenue Driving revenue revenue, you could have as much data as you want, but if you're just lagging on the inputs and not getting proactive and getting the outputs out of the inputs that you're putting in, if that makes sense, you're not, you're, you're not really utilizing your CRM platform.
3: Yeah, and I, I think you know from when I started in my career with, with you know in the manufacturing space, uh, at first, I saw salesforce used more so for, for support tickets and logging issues within an account less so than actually leveraging the system to be a center of truth that can really be a a place where reps and sales leaders work together to drive growth, whether it's within existing accounts, whether it's new accounts that you're going after to hit your quota. I think that's how it's slowly starting to evolve as teams are looking at this and seeing the opportunity where you have multiple product lines, you sell into multiple business units, and there's an opportunity to take this from just logging issues to leveraging it as a strategic investment in technology to help you drive that, you know, consistent, scalable growth. So that's, that's one thing I've seen change. I'd say over the last eight to 10 years, specifically when it comes to this space and and how manufacturers are starting to use it, you know, especially as you're managing relationships with rep groups, with wholesalers, potentially with an inside sales team with, you know, field sales reps that are out in the field. There's, there's a lot of moving parts. I think we're slowly starting to see, how Salesforce can kind of help connect all those dots.
0: And I think with that, Joe, too, building on what Andy's kind of saying is, you know, the face-to-face relationships, I mean, they are still very, very important, but with everything that's happened over the last couple of years, they've kind of become less relevant. So real-time information and transferring all that data amongst business units in real time is ideal and has to be done because if it's not, you're, you're just behind the times and eventually you'll just fade away and you won't be able to compete on, on the global scale.
2: So guys, I see companies that we consult or just, just companies that I talk to investing tens of thousands of dollars into Salesforce implementations. You guys have said, you've seen that number climb into the hundreds of thousands in some cases. Uh, And in a lot of these cases, the software isn't even being used. And so I'm just curious from your perspective, why does this wind up happening?
3: Yeah, I, I can get us going here. To me, it kind of you know goes back a little bit to what I mentioned a few minutes ago of not having someone who directly owns it. I think as a business and as a leader in the manufacturing space, the way that marketing and sales teams look at trade shows, as Ron alluded to, with the face-to-face interaction. As we look at sales kickoffs, you know all these different activities and strategic initiatives that that sales and marketing teams and manufacturing companies look at as growth drivers, I think you need to look at your sales force in a similar way, your investment in your CRM, because at its core, that is what it's meant to help you do, to identify areas where you can grow within your key customers, to help leaders and sales managers identify where there's risk in losing customers, understanding, you know, why is an account growing with us year over year? Why are they declining? That's information that's really critical, you know, to understanding how you're gonna continue to drive the business forward. And I think if, you know, the mindset has to change of this being, you know, 10 to 20% of someone's side gig and a nuisance for reps to just get information into the CRM. And I think that will change when the data that's being input into the system is, you know, used in a strategic manner to actually help them hit their goals. And as soon as reps and sales managers see, you know, the results actually occurring because of the use of good quality data in the CRM, I think you're going to see
0: that shift, you know, pretty quickly. Andy, you hit that dead on and to build on that a little bit, I think adoption from top-down. you know, This has to come from CEO, sales leaders, executive teams, and they have to embrace the CRM and what it means to use the CRM. And as it funnels down into the reps and other business units, customer service, inside sales, they really need to understand that this is an all-hands-on-deck team effort. And moving forward, to survive because the competition pool is getting a lot tighter. There's more people swimming in it every day and people offering different value added services. So you have to be a hundred percent invested in the customer experience and being able to offer more to more customers and drive revenue within your current customers and opportunities. So to do that, I think, It has to be an all hands on deck approach from the CEO down to inside sales and everything in between to really communicate amongst everybody and drive that team selling initiative. Is there anything you've seen
2: sales leaders or presidents or frankly, whoever winds up being in charge of a CRM rollout? Things you've seen them do to make sure that this becomes an investment and not just some massive waste of money are there, you know, are there incentives? Are there is it some of it just mindset and somebody somebody who's near the top of the organization saying, "Hey, this is important and you need to do this." Curious what you guys have seen.
0: I've seen a little bit of all of it, where it you know it's a mandatory approach, saying, "Hey, this is this is what it has to be done; otherwise, you're not going to be here." Or you know, tied into comp plans where if you're you're putting in your inputs and we're gaining insights on accounts and opportunities, you know, there's incentives tied into building out account plans f- for the team. But I think overall, what business leaders need to be doing is to not, especially manufacturing, not overload their teams with too much of the tool and kind of break it out into phases to give that the original, you know, crawl, walk, run approach to where, hey, we're going to do this in small chunks, let you get familiar with it, see, see some positive results, and then build and add in other aspects of the tool and the CRM to further, for further growth, you know, down the line and bring it in in the phases of, say, you know, quarterly or monthly, weekly, whatever, however your company is set up to do. You know, to, to grow within the CRM and not just dump everything on you know, a rep and saying, hey, here, here's the CRM, figure it out. You know, you have to input all this stuff and just add, pile on. I think that's where the trust comes into play of, hey, we're working together. We're not working, you know, I'm above you type of approach.
3: Yeah, I think there's a lot of, of good tidbits in there. What I would say is uh, one way you're going to get reps to use is salespeople are motivated by money. tie tie compensation to you don't get paid for a new deal or for an expansion within a customer unless this is logged in Salesforce. Cause I've seen that used and it works. You will get people sometimes begrudgingly that start putting this kind of information in Salesforce if their compensation depends on it. So I I agree with Ron that, you know, getting commission based on deals that are won, that needs to be in Salesforce and it needs to be well-documented who was involved in that process. You know, what were threats that could have deterred the customer from choosing you? Why did they choose your business? What is the growth and upside potential look like? So are there other business units you can sell to different product lines that they're not purchasing initially that will drive that kind of behavior And I'd say secondly, that you need someone that's dedicated to training the reps and helping them to go step-by-step with getting value out of the system. So I love how Ron said, you know, not putting too much on them at once. When you have someone that's focused and committed to helping your sales team get as much out of the tool as possible and taking incremental steps to master the system and and see the value of why they should be using it, I think that's also going to help. And that comes from leadership downward of here's the current state. And future state, this is why it matters and this is how it's going to benefit you. And I think that's the big selling point is as a sales rep, a sales manager, you have to sell why it's going to benefit them specifically. The time to learn how the CRM works, to work with somebody who's dedicated to helping them, you know, learn more about the tool itself. That That's how I would start with it. So I'd start with tying it to commission and i'd also make sure that it's tied to you know selling that vision and working closely with someone who's who's an expert in that's you know in salesforce dynamics hubspot oracle sales cloud whatever tool you're using you need someone who's an expert that can help the reps you know get comfortable
0: and what it does too joe it ties in other business units together being in sales for a, a while i never thought i would work with the marketing department customer so you, you there's certain departments that sales reps were kind of not used to working with and being here at Prolific, Andy and I, working with marketing and sales together, who knew that you would spend most of your time with other business units and other you know, VPs of marketing and partnerships and all these different business units that you're working collaboratively together for the main goal, which Andy stated eloquently is you know drive revenue. We, The main goal is to maximize profits and working together, I think, is the key to all of it.
2: Yeah. I think you guys made a lot of good points there. You know, you think of a a software like Salesforce, it's, it can do a lot of things. It's, it's a very customizable tool. It's got a lot of different functions. Not everything's going to be relevant to your business. Some things probably should be customized. And so I think you need to set your team up to be successful by understanding what, you know, what pieces of the software are going to be most important, especially to get started. I liked your point about rolling things out in phases It's very easy to get overwhelmed with new technology if it's not something you've been doing, especially when you're going from a spreadsheet or a whiteboard into a, you know, a a digital um, software for managing relationships and, you know, inputting information. So set them up for success. And then give them incentive to use it, right? Correct. Absolutely. Well, Dave, we haven't gone to you yet, and you've been sitting here patiently listening, and I want to tap into your brain because you are a recent manufacturing CEO and a guy that, uh, you know, when I was talking to Ron, he said, we got to get Dave on, into this conversation because he's a guy who has, you know, seen the value in a lot of the things we're talking about right here in in your years as a leader at the steel supply company. One of the things you told me, Dave, in a previous conversation was that one of the biggest problems with sales teams inside of manufacturing organizations is that at some point sales reps move on to new jobs, right? It just, it's going to happen. Some, some will stay around for a long time. Others will be gone quickly, but at some point, most people will move on to new opportunity. And when they leave, their relationships and their knowledge go right out the door with them. So my questions for you are, you know, one, how do you mitigate that loss of data and, and frankly, just tribal knowledge, right. That comes along with having those relationships for years at a time, sometimes. And then on the flip side, how, how can you get a new salesperson up to speed on, you know, company
4: and account history? Well, the knowledge is, is a hard thing to replace, obviously, but, one of the one of the biggest things is making sure that the company records are up to date based on the input that the salesperson has given you. If you don't get good information from the salesperson and you don't know how to measure that, you certainly won't be able to train somebody, the new person, or you won't be able to incorporate that into the overall marketing plan of the company. So it definitely has some real significance on uh, on where the company is going. The knowledge factor, you know in the in the early days, everything was a, a way before computerized uh, days. It was a copy of the invoice and a three by5 index card with information on it. So it was much more difficult. Uh, CRMs weren't around in the manual system. And when when we did start going to computers, CRM was the furthest thing from the from the mind, which it shouldn't have been. It should have been right up there. Most sales guys, like myself, when I started computering at home in in the early '70s with a good old trash 80 system, we used file programs. All we had was telephone numbers, and as we got more exotic, we learned how to uh, expand that into what was the relationship with other. Accounts in that area, the ABC thing, the 80, 20 percent, all those all those things you heard of. So when a new salesperson came on, we could impart that knowledge onto them, but they had to be willing to do it. And a lot of people my age were terrified, probably still are, of computers. They just didn't want to use them. So that that was the biggest part of doing it. Uh, as I said on the second part, there the training is is imperative. You know there were there were early days when somebody would come in and you'd sit them down and you say, "This is your territory, get out there and go sell." You'd hand them a printout and uh, Here, here's your customers, and if you got any questions, call me. Or you'd have them work with inside sales or with purchasing, with one of the divisions, even in the warehouse for a couple of days. But that wasn't their job. Their job was to sell, and what the structure from the CEO was, get out there and sell. So you had to have all those documents and all that training. And those are the things that a CEO had to learn as well as the salesman.
2: Yeah. I mean, well said. You've kind of, I think you're answering the why question about, you know, for any manufacturing leaders listening right now saying like, okay, you know, whatever what we do, what we do now works fine. It's we've we've got our spreadsheets. That this guy uses his notebook, and this guy uses a spreadsheet, and this guy writes his you know stuff on a whiteboard or, or whatever. But if, if you are leading an organization or, or leading a sales team, and you think about you know the, the points you just hit on, Dave, it's you know somebody goes out the door, all that information goes out with them, and and if if you're not logging that in some central place. How could you ever get another person up to speed? Imagine what the it looks like to have to start over on an account like that. So, I mean, the, the, the case is clear to me. I'm listen. I'm a I'm a sales and marketing guy myself, and and I, I like the, the three of you sort of shedding light on why this isn't just some you know digitizing. This kind of stuff is not just a you know a, a nice to have. It's really it's it's that important. Yeah,
4: area that you have to consider when you uh, when you're not the owner of a company is that most ownership, the first question out of their mouth is going to be, how much does this cost? And is it needed or is it a luxury? So you have to do a selling job as a CEO or sales manager or even a rep to the ownership, as well as to your who you report to, that this is going to improve that bottom line, as Ron mentioned earlier, that you're going to expand your business you're going to have some positive areas that you're, you might not see right away. It's just like buying a new machine. What's the payback on it? So you have to honestly assess what that payback is. I went through that a lot of times, I know.
2: I bet you, yeah, I bet you have in probably a lot of different areas of your business too. Yeah. And I think it's a good point. We have to, you have to understand, you have to help, help your people understand why this benefits them too, you know? Like it's, I mean, it's probably just happens all the time. A new piece, of, a new machine, a new piece of technology, a new software, whatever gets thrown into the mix. And because somebody decided it was important and it never really gets communicated throughout the organization, what the purpose is here, what the benefit is and, and why, you know, everybody being on board is so important. I think that's the leader's job to, to, to do that. Whether that's the yes. CEO or president or it's the VP of sales who's managing a group of people. So I, that's a good point, Dave.
0: Yeah. I would look at it as well as how can I, how is this going to make me more efficient? Is this going to simplify my day? And is this going to equal me making more money in, in, the, in, in the year? You know, am I going to win more deals doing this? How is this going to simplify my life and make me more efficient to cover more ground? If it's more time consuming and I'm not seeing uh, the benefits of the tool it's, it's useless. So I think just seeing those results and having these conversations and communicating dri- dri- drives, the, drives the value of the CRM and, and the tool and all the data that's being input.
3: One last, one small thing I'd add there is, is whoever's helping lead this implementation map out in the line with the team on what are, what are milestones or quick wins. And that way, even though it's a longer journey, potentially, you feel the progress going forward. That, that'll that keep people energized and motivated to continue to use it.
4: Another area, aside from when, uh, getting back to what you were saying, Joe, getting back to when a sales rep leaves, what happens if a senior buyer at your number one account leaves? So there again, your salesman goes to make a call. He's out in the cold because all of a sudden that guy isn't there and you haven't heard of it. So if you have these records available to you, some kind of a CRM, whatever the chain is, you know who the engineer is, who the purchasing manager is that can open the door to the new purchasing person for you. Great point. So I, I think the, the record keeping, when we changed area codes on all the telephones all those years ago, back in the 80s and all that, we didn't have the right area codes or anything. We relied on the salesman. We had to have somebody manually go in and input that. Now, if you had the modern CRMs, all this information could be updated remotely
2: yeah that's a really good point you know it's it's really interesting talking to you guys because you've got a different perspective on crm than i do you know for me a lot of times with my clients it's about making sure we can measure the impact of a marketing initiative and what's working and what's not, and connecting the dots between revenue and marketing activities and everything that happens in between. And I like hearing you guys talk about it from the standpoint of relationships, which frankly is where CRM came from in the in the first place, customer relationship management and having clean records and up-to-date information. So uh hitting this hitting this from a lot of angles here. I really like it. Now, one thing I want to get into here is like Salesforce specifically, kind of the the, you know, the mother of all CRMs, at least in in the types of companies we talk to and the most widely used, you know, there was Salesforce at one point. Now you have this whole ecosystem that has emerged around Salesforce to specialty tools and, you know, various apps that tap into it and serve different purposes. And, and I know that's, you know, kind of the world of, of prolific where the two of you come from, Andy and Ron, can you talk a little bit about what, prolific is and how it fits into the CRM mix.
0: Sure. Yeah. Prolific is a a native, well, prolific, we are a native to Salesforce partner. So we assume all the data sets that Salesforce does. So we can only work with people who have Salesforce as their CRM. We're a native Salesforce app that specializes in strategic account planning, key account management, relationship mapping, kind of going back to what we've just talked about where Dave mentioned understanding the hierarchy, understanding the people that you need to talk to within an organization, whether that is various inside salespeople, sales leadership, executive leadership, uh, purchasing procurement, and so on. And then we kind of tie in all of that within Salesforce within your platform or a dashboard add-on that could download in five minutes to where you could see that visually all in one specific location within your account or opportunity. So if you're building out a a map for an opportunity or a stakeholder, that's one visualized location that you could see it and build out key personas within that account or opportunity. And everybody can see it in real time. And that's kind of the the aspect that I found that's the most intriguing is you could validate who you need to talk to and all the different relationships within that account in real time. And then on the other side of the app, you're building out a complete account plan to where you could visualize and see and log and chart white space opportunities. So cross upsell opportunities within your accounts or opportunities that you you might be able to get and achieve to drive that revenue. And then finally, on top of that, you have real-time insights so somebody like the ceo or sales leader could go in and see the health of the account see what what needs to be worked on seeing how you're progressing that account or opportunity and where you need to be to grow that account or land that opportunity
3: yeah no i I think ron hit on a lot of things At, at a high level it's to help centralize all of that key account information that's typically sitting in a spreadsheet a sticky note a whiteboard a slide deck it brings it into one location where your customer service, your sales, your marketing teams, leadership, all has visibility in one place to very easily uh, dissect what is going on within, whether it's a new pursuit, new business you're trying to win, an existing customer. I think it does a nice job of providing that visibility into who's potentially derailing your deals who are your supporters, your champions that have used your product in the past. I mean, Joe, you touched on CRM is meant to be, you know, it's built around relationships. And I think that's something that this solution does really well is it helps you really clearly identify and understand where you have existing relationships and where there's still work to be done in order to ensure that you're not losing that account, you know, to a competitor potentially. So it's a great way to bring all of this information just into one
0: place. And Joe, what it also does, uh, what we hear a lot of, and we kind of talked about a little bit earlier, it enforces Salesforce adoption, um, and it's keeping your reps living and breathing within Salesforce. They're not going outside the tool and duplicating efforts or duplicating work, but they're living and breathing within the CRM platform of Salesforce. So they're constantly working inside the walls of Salesforce. So it's... They're learning and becoming more familiar with the tool, and this our soft our add-on helps helps drive that because it forces them to be in there as as they're growing their business and their accounts and opportunities. Yeah, R- really good stuff there. You know, I
2: anybody who kind of follows what we do at Gorilla, we talk a lot about you know, in the manufacturing sector, especially for companies who sell. Something that is, you know, it's, it's very relationship based. It's a consultative sale. It tends to be a longer buying process in some cases, like you're talking to engineers, probably different types of engineers. You're talking to plant managers. You're talking to the CFO, you're talking to CEO, you're talking to procurement and yeah, the person in procurement might be the person writing the check, but there are relationships that happen all throughout that organization from very early in the buying process all the way to purchase order. And it's so important. You know, I, I talk to it from a marketing perspective because I'm a marketing guy and I, I, you know, this is a situation I run into all the time with our clients. But to be able to have all of that data logged and understand who those key I I call them buying process influencers are and to know where the holes are and to know who in your organization has relationships with them and what communication has happened with those people and what communication probably still needs to happen, um, is super valuable. So I I can see the importance of everything you're talking about here.
0: Yeah. It's basically just putting the puzzle pieces together within, within that account or opportunity and putting the puzzle pieces together to grow that account. To drive, to drive more revenue and just gain more business and gain market share. And it's in a simplistic term. It's just connecting the dots.
2: Dave, you, uh, you know, I know you, you were, you exited or um, retired from the steel supply company before a tool like Prolific would have been in your hands, but I'm just kind of curious when you look at a tool like Prolific or even some of the, you know, just the software in general that is has evolved and come about around CRMs and relationship management,
4: like, How
2: would you have used a tool like this?
4: It would have been very good for manufacturing. It would have been excellent for forecasting. And there again, as a training tool, I think there were some real positive parts of it, the little bit that I've seen of it, that could be used to make everybody a little bit smarter about the customer. That if you look at this and say... uh, you're doing $50,000 a year with this fellow, but what areas are you missing out at? It lets you isolate what the target is and helps you get to that point, I, I would assume. But it's uh, it, it just is at a point where it, it it's a needed extra to help your business uh, move forward. If you have uh, any kind of a quality system like ISO or something along that line, you really should incorporate the CRM thing into a KPI that you can have assignable to a certain group and to have a management review process handle and to look at all this. Because there again, if you're selling this to ownership or to stockholders, you're going to be asked what the return is. And a good CRM program has a... a, variety of returns. We had internal ones that we wrote, but they weren't as good as this. I mean, we couldn't target certain areas and we couldn't we couldn't forecast certain areas. That was still left up to the sales rep to input.
2: Yeah. Great stuff there. Dave, Ron Andy, for manufacturing leaders and sales leaders listening today, is there any parting advice you want to leave them with about Getting started in terms of moving from analog to digital methodology with your your sales data and information about relationships.
3: Yeah, I'd say start small. Find find one team. Don't make this bigger or more complex than it needs to be. Find a specific sales team and a sales manager that is known for driving uh, different initiatives. Uh, that's a little different in how they think. Potentially more progressive in how they think. And that'll kind of be your trial group to see if this kind of approach can help. So, you know, don't make this, uh, you know, bigger than it needs to be. I say, I'd say to start, find that small group, find a way to identify some quick wins and then you can evolve from there.
0: Yeah, Andy kind of stole my thunder on that one, but I would agree with them wholeheartedly that you need to go back. Sales leadership needs to go back to the men and women, I guess that are on the ground working you know daily with their customers find out their pain points find out their needs and wants and build the platform around what would benefit their their employees and and the people that are are going at it every day again make them more efficient make them simplify their lives i know there's a lot of methodologies out there i i follow the the kiss method you know keep it simple stupid you know just very simple stuff just to get inundate it with it and then build from
4: within and then grow from there. I would add from a managerial point too, if, you're, if your organization is committed to continuous improvement, is this a product or is this something that you can utilize that will help you get to that next level? Will your people sign on to it? Do you have the right people? And it's just, the, there's a myriad of questions there that could be answered but uh, continuous improvement is probably the, the, the single most important part that I would assign to it.
2: Well, guys, this was a great conversation. I really, I, I think the three-headed monster thing worked. I might have to try it <laughs> again with somebody else, but you guys uh, set, set the bar high for it. So <laughs> I appreciate you doing this today. Can each of you tell our audience where they can get in touch with you and where they can learn more about your respective organizations?
0: Sure. I can be reached at ron.pretzi at prolific.com. Uh, you could find me on LinkedIn or on our website at prolific.ai at any time. We'd love to discuss in further detail and see if there's anything that we can do to help you out or just give some guidance as these companies continue on their journey.
3: Yeah. Similar to me, uh, you can find me on LinkedIn, Andy Keen, K-E-E-H-N as the last name. Feel free to reach out if you've ever got any questions or you know want to hear from others who have have taken a similar journey that you might be taking. Happy to make references
4: and introductions. And I'm on LinkedIn as well, and probably get a hold of me from Ron. I haven't changed my phone number yet, so you knows where to get hold of me.
2: There you go, love it. Yeah, Dave. I think I noticed the title on on uh, LinkedIn says "At Home," which is exactly <laughs> yes. what it should be. So very good. Well, guys, I appreciate. All three of you doing this today was a really helpful conversation. Uh, I learned some stuff and I'm sure our our listeners did too. So thanks for joining.
0: I appreciate the show. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank
2: you. As for the rest of you, I hope to catch you on the next episode of the Manufacturing Executive.
1: You've been listening to the Manufacturing Executive Podcast. To ensure that you never miss an episode, subscribe to the show in your favorite podcast player.